0: Good morning, everyone. My name Ricky, and it's an absolute pleasure to be able to encourage you this morning. Um, yeah, I just had an incredible sense of God's love for us during worship today. I'm quite overwhelmed by how incredible God is, and we get to to be a part of that. And I'm really praying that today you would experience the love of God and um, that you're not here by mistake. You're here for a specific uh, reason, and God wants to meet with you, and that's my prayer for you. So I'd encourage you to open your hearts today and allow God to speak to you. I would, uh, Sonia and Karin are uh, hosting us this morning. Do we have any guests here today? Are you here for the very first time? If you can just wave your hand to me. There we go. (laughs) We'd like to warmly welcome you. It's fantastic to have you here. Um, Please, if you feel the freedom to do so, uh, you can meet Sonia and Karin at the the guest table outside the back doors to the right. They've got a little gift bag to give to you and they can answer any questions that you you may have. Um, We prayed for our nation uh, this morning and... If I can encourage you just to please continue doing that. We don't need to wait for moments here in church to to pray for our country, but it is good for us to pray together. Uh, many of you have actually asked us, would, will we be uh, responding to the the National Day of Prayer on the 22nd of April that Angus Buckham and his team have um, put forward? We will be doing that. We can't all go up to Bloemfontein, but we're going to open up uh, the living room, which is the, um, our space at the offices, and it will give us the opportunity to pray throughout the day and, and when we join the, the rest of the nation praying for our country. And then it's the month of April. Uh, in the month of April, we do a campaign called the Blanket Drive. How many of you have been a part of the Blanket Drive in the past? If you can just care, most of you. Basically, what we do is we partner with our community in Nomzamo and Every Nation Zola. We purchase blankets during the month of April. And there's a moment in May where we go and we bless our friends in Nomzamo the church there. They invite their community because, as we all know, winters here in the Cape do get extremely cold. And if you look outside on your way uh, in the foyer, We have set up a table. Susie's going to be manning the the table, but also giving oversight to this year's campaign. Um, And we encourage you, please, as you've done so in the past, please be generous in purchasing blankets. And if I can really ask you to go and buy a really nice blanket of good quality, which would keep anybody warm, that wraps it around their body. Uh, As a kid's church, we have joined in with the program. We're selling beanies and gloves for the children. Last year, we gave 100 beanies to kids at the Agape Educare, and it was just an incredible moment for us. So as a kids' church, our contribution towards the blanket drive is buying beanies and gloves. So Susie will have all that uh, information. So please, uh, please join with us as we... Um, as we serve people in our community practically, and it's an opportunity for us to bless them. All right, so we've been doing a series called There's Joy. There's Joy. And we have been, in the past couple of weeks, we've spoken about the joy in the presence of God, joy in sharing and joy in serving and as we started the, this year, we we had a, a series on devotion, just God really drawing us to Him. we looked at the, the early church in the book of Acts, and this sermon series, There's Joy, is basically the practical demonstration of what was happening in the book of Acts. People responded to devotion to God, and... They could not help but respond in a certain way. But the starting point is just that relationship with God. So um, last week, Pierre spoke about serving. How many of you were here? Did you enjoy the interviews? Thank you to all of those who were a part of that. If you, if you didn't get to hear it, please uh, download the, the podcast. So today I'm going to be talking about there is joy in volunteering. So when Pierre asked me to do it, I was like, ehh. It sounds like a very practical, how do we do this topic. So I really spent a lot of time before God. And I had done a a sermon on serving many years ago. And it was in this venue and we laid up tables for all the different departments and that. And we gave the encouragement. We asked people to sign up afterwards. And I was really excited to see how much response we would get. We got one person who signed up? So, my plan for this morning is to take a different route. I'm not going to be speaking so much about the hands of volunteering. I want to reach your heart today. And I want to speak about why, why do we volunteer? What causes us to respond to something in our hearts? So, volunteering is considered a selfless activity. This is from Wikipedia. Where an individual or group provides services for no financial gain, to benefit another person or group, volunteering is often intended to promote goodness or to improve human quality of life. So, how many of you have volunteered before? For any, not just church stuff, just please, okay? I would, If we had time, I would love to have just asked you what it is that you volunteered for, but we often volunteer in the areas of medicine, first aid. You know, some people have a love for that, and they just give their time to that. To education, some people love to go and teach kids and people, or equip people um, who don't have the opportunity to learn. Um, emergency rescue, things like life saving. Do we have any lifesavers here, or ex-lifesavers? Josh has a whole bunch of his friends from school, they're all lifesavers, so they spend their Saturdays on the beach. The NSRI, they are a volunteer uh, um, um, organization where they basically search and rescue for individuals that are caught out at sea. And then natural disaster. I'm sure most of you were involved with the fires that we had uh, recently, and we all volunteered for that. has a little bit of... Uh, of history about volunteer organizations. The American Red Cross was established in 1881 and it began mobilizing volunteers for disaster relief operations. The Salvation Army, 1865, is one of the oldest and largest organizations working for disar- disadvantaged people. I did a bit of reading about that this week and it's incredible to see the Christian ethos and biblical foundation that the Salvation Army has i actually was speaking to to an individual this week about the work that he's involved with with the salvation army in stellenbosch rehabilitating young young boys and girls that are addicted to drugs and just how he's experiencing just phenomenal change in these youngsters lives rotary and rotary international and the lions club they are volunteer organizations when the great depression happened we saw for the first time, a large-scale nationwide effort to coordinate volunteering for specific needs. During World War II, there were volunteers, and they got involved with helping with supplies or uh, you know, ministering to people, helping people who, who had needs. So here's some more sp- specific stats. In 2012, about 64.5 million Americans, which is... Tw- Almost 27% of the population gave 7.9 billion hours of volunteer service to the worth of $175 billion. So, I mentioned that volunteering is for no financial gain. So, the next question I had was, why do people volunteer? Please ask yourself that question. You, You responded by saying, I have volunteered before. Why did you volunteer? There must have been a reason. There must have been something that made you want to give the limited time that you may have to be a part of it. Maybe it's a love for whatever it was you were involved with. Maybe it was you wanted to meet other people. Maybe it was you wanted to see something changed in your community. You saw a need and you felt I need to respond to this. So that's the question I want to tackle today is why do we volunteer in the kingdom of God, does the church need volunteers? Yes, the church relies on volunteers, and I am not the world's greatest uh, motivational speaker. Or, you know, I wouldn't be able to. You get some guys that can stand up and just, you know, what's that uh, saying? You can sell ice to an Eskimo. I don't think I can sell ice to an Eskimo. But I'm praying today that God would touch your heart. I'm very confident, not in my ability to, to encourage you, but in God's ability to stir your heart and to speak to you this morning. So I'm, I'm a very experienced spouse when it comes to volunteering. My wife <laughs> loves to volunteer. So we've got four kids. Okay, so things are busy they're all in different grades, different classes, and each class needs a class head. So my wife loves to volunteer to be the class head for my children. You know, we try and spread it out over the years so that each kid gets their, their time as having mom volunteered. Beginning of last year, things were quite hectic, and I went to mission. I said, babes, would you mind if maybe this year we, you only volunteered for one aspect of the school, you know, help. So she no, no, I understand. That's fine, that's fine. So went to a meeting, she came back and she had she didn't respond. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. You know? Thank you. Not that we don't want to, just things are busy. You know, we're trying to manage our time. Later that night she gets a message on the WhatsApp group Sorry parents, we had no one respond to uh, the need for class head. Is there anyone who could possibly help? And guess what happened? My wife responded. Anyway, there's a reason why Mish does that. She absolutely loves people, and she loves to serve where she has the opportunity uh, to do that. And it's a great joy for her. If we look at volunteering in the book of Acts, last week Pierre spoke about Acts 6, and how the apostles encouraged the disciples to find people amongst you who can serve. And... um, when I listened to Pierre's sermon, I was, it was amazing just to be reminded that it wasn't the leaders who said, Hey, listen, guys, we need, I need you, 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 and you to come help me. Here. The people within the community responded. Amongst the people, they, they, they discovered who could, and they chose, who could come and serve. In Acts 9, we read about a lady called Dorcas, and this, the Bible says that she was full of good works and acts of charity. We read about other people in the book of Acts. So it's there. We see volunteerism. So while I was preparing, I just thought, wow, what made these people respond in the way that they did? They responded to to the point of possibly being killed. We look at the life of Stephen. Stephen was one of the guys who responded to that Act 6 call. Can anybody help? Stephen was the first martyr. He was killed for what he believed in and well you know that's an incredible thing to 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 take on in your life my question to you today is have you found something worth dying for and my encouragement is that you live for that live for that thing which you have considered dying for please open your bibles with me to mark 12 i am um, I'm really enjoying my Bible at the moment. It's, well, just incredible how God speaks to us through the Word. I'd like to encourage you. I hope that the only time you read your Bible is not on a Sunday here with everybody else or at Life Group. It's something we should do every day. And uh, there's incredible stuff that, that changes our lives in this book. In Mark 12, verse 28 to 34, that's my scripture for today we see Jesus is in the temple and he's been chatting to a whole lot of people and they've just, I think the the verses before, they've been talking about the resurrection and asking Jesus questions. And reading from verse 28, listen to what it says. And one of the scribes came up, one of the experts in the law, and he heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them so well, saying that Jesus answered everyone so well. He asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? I really think that this expert in the law wasn't trying to trick Jesus. I think he was really looking for the answer to this. He was very sincere in the question because you'll see how this passage ends, that Jesus says to him, you have found the kingdom of God. And in that time of Jesus, the Jews had accumulated hundreds of laws, over 600 laws. And there were different groups of people and leaders. They tried to distinguish between the major and the minor laws. So here's this guy, and he's saying, Jesus, what's the most important law? Thinking, there's 600 laws. What, what are the most important ones? 20, verse 29, Jesus answered, the most important is, hear o, hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Jesus is referring back to Deuteronomy 6 where Moses had received just all the laws from God. Moses was giving these laws to the nation of Israel as they were preparing to go into the promised land. So this, this scripture in, in Mark is referring back to Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. Please go read through that in your, in your own time. It's an incredible portion also. And it was very significant that it says here, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Why did Jesus say that? Why did the scripture say that? The belief in only one God was a distinct feature of the Hebrew nation. They believed in one God, the God of the heavens, the universe, and the earth. The land that the Israelites were going into to possess, it was filled with people who believed in many gods. So here Moses is encouraging the people, he's saying, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I was very encouraged when we sang this morning, I didn't organize with Brian to speak about the song list, but the one song we sang was that there is one God. And here Jesus is starting off with this encouragement, the Lord is one. Both then and today, there are many people who prefer to place their trust in many different gods. And you know, that we are surrounded by so many situations and gods in our life, and they, those gods are trying to buy our time. They're trying to draw from us. They're trying to distract us, trying to create us, uh, make us be busy with our lives so that we don't have time to do the things of God. That's part of my encouragement today to all of us, is that let's not let the gods of this world fight for our Uh, attention and for our time and pull us from left to right and and we miss exactly what God wants to do. In verse 30 And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. What is it saying to us? There is no room for divided affections. There is no room for divided affections. In Matthew 6.24 it says, no one can serve two masters. Jesus encourages us in this. You will either love the one and hate the other. If indeed there is one God who stands supremely powerful and valuable, this demands a supreme, supreme and totally loyal response from us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And I'm going to come back to this portion. But in the essence, God is, Jesus is encouraging us to love God with everything that we have. Verse 31. The second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This scripture is referring back to Leviticus 19 verse 18. So what we see here is that... All of these laws, the Ten Commandments, these 600 laws, Jesus is saying to this expert of the law, he says there are two things you need to do. He's pulling it all together. Love God, love people. That is the greatest commandment. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments have to do with our love for God. The next six have to do with our love for people. There's a, a theme here. When you are uncertain about what to do, ask yourself, which course of action best demonstrates God's love for and for your love for God and God's love for other people? It helps us make the decisions that we need to make as we live our lives. Verse 32 and 33 And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices now there is this theme of obedience is better than sacrifice that runs through the bible i think the main portion of scripture is in 1 samuel 15:22 where god has uh, samuel has encouraged saul when he goes into battle to not take any spoils from the war God has clearly said, go and destroy the Amalekites and don't take anything. What does Saul do? He takes the best of the spoils of the wall and he tries to justify it. He says, no, listen, this is stuff is too good to, to destroy. We'll sacrifice it to God. God shows uh, Samuel and Samuel responds to, to Saul. What What is Samuel trying to, to tell us there? It's not that... A sacrifice to God is, is not a good thing, but it's the heart by which we do it. Being religious, going to church, serving on a community, uh, on, a, on a committee for a community, even our giving, as Neil said this morning, if our heart is not right, and if we have not responded to what God has spoken to us about, that's not what God wants from us. He... It, he It might be easy for some people to give millions of rands towards a mission or a community project. But if God doesn't have that person's heart, God's not interested in that money. God would rather have the heart of the person. And as we're talking about volunteering, some people may volunteer out of obligation. You know, in the kids' ministry, we are always looking for people to volunteer. You know, we don't want people to respond because they feel bad for us. Or because, okay, kids ministry needs 10 people to please help. No, we, we, we try and stir the heart to say, hey, listen, Sunday's not about looking after 50 kids, which does sound quite intense. You know, it's about discipling the next generation. The heart is there. We respond to the privilege of working with the next generation. What is the motive behind your giving, your offerings, your sacrifices? Verse 34. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And that's why I think this expert of the law was really looking for, he was interested in the answer, and Jesus responded to him. So I want to go back to verse 31. And I want to look at the three areas. I want to look at our hearts, I want to look at our souls, and I want to look at our our strength. How should we volunteer in the kingdom of God? How should we respond? Love God with all your heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Our hearts, our feelings, our, the love we have and the desire to do things dictates to a great extent how we will live because we often do the things that we, we just enjoy doing. Solomon tells us to guard our hearts above all else, making sure that we keep focusing on the desires that God would want us to respond to. God has got a specific plan for this generation, for your generation he wants you to be a part of it. Part of what we need to do is to say, God, I'm laying down my, the plan for my life, and I choose to be a part of what you want to do on this earth. That, doesn't that give you a great sense of, well, I get to be a part of what God wants to do? Isn't that an incredible thought? That's something worth dying for. That's something worth giving your life to. Look straight ahead. Keep your eyes fixed on what you believe God wants to do in your generation. Don't get sidetracked. I'm not saying you need to to quit your job and join the kids ministry of the church on a no financial gain contract. Not at all. You can be you can, you can do the work of God in the place where you are, are working. Your heart is so powerful. Your heart can take you to places that your mind takes a while to get to, and if I can illustrate, speaking to all the men here, you're watching a intense movie with your your wife, and it's very emotional, and everyone starts crying. You know, your heart has been taken somewhere. Am I the only one who has experienced that, men? And your wife turns to you and says, "What? Why are you crying? No, no, I'm not crying. No, no." What happened there my mind caught up with my heart and it says, Rick why are you crying okay your heart is powerful God often pulls us in a heart and and, and and you'll see as we look at the scripture there's a sequentially it grows the request that God wants from us the the, 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 the response he, he wants from us he starts in our heart has God stirred stuff in your heart that you've pushed aside has God has God spoken to you about specific things about this community or about your family and you just you've kind of pushed it aside because you're busy when we encounter God our lives change and if our lives change the best way that we can respond is to give expression to what's happening in your heart often when we're in worship and When we're with the kids upstairs, we say to the kids, Guys, what's happening in your heart? I want to see it in your body. Now, some kids will kneel, some kids will jump, some kids run like mad. Okay, so if our hearts have not been captivated by God, the life of love is impossible. If our hearts have not been captivated by God, when we volunteer, It's not possible to demonstrate that true love of God. Secondly, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Now many of you have heard that your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Your mind, the thoughts that you have. Your will, the decisions that you make. Your emotions, the feelings that you you have. So that's the part of you. You need to love God with your thoughts. What What are the thoughts that you have? You need to love God with the decisions that you make, and the way that you, you feel. But I think it encapsulates more than just those ears. It encapsulates your whole being. It encapsulates your heart also. So we've moved from loving God with your heart, now your soul. It requires more from you, not just the pulling of your heart. God might be pulling you, and then your, your mind engages also, and yes, I know God's speaking to me about this. I can make a difference in my generation. We have an incredible group of people in this church. We've, I'm going to list a few people, but there are many of them um, who volunteer their time. Skulk, he has an absolute passion to help people with their finances. and he started a finance course, a course, the financial peace university. We didn't ask him to do it. He came to us and he said, "I want to do this." Pete and Katie have got a, an incredible heart for marriages in this community, not just in this church. They started a marriage course. Eugene and Marla have got a heart to see God's kingdom established in how we parent our children. They started a course. Paul and Anita have an absolute love for coffee. Yes. It's happened. And they've responded. Hopefully in the next few months we'll see the expression of that response that they have. Yonanda and her team love to see people restored to wholeness in God and, and the SOZO team. And the young adults team also approached Pierre and, and the leadership and just said, guys, we want to impact the young adults in, in our church. We didn't ask these people to do this, you know. Well, I don't think we asked them. Most of them were, responded to what was in their hearts. When I'm talking about volunteering, I'm not saying you have to volunteer in a a ministry team in our church. No, not at all. Impact your community. Bill Howbles tells a story. He's a a pastor in America of the uh, Willow Creek Church. He encouraged the people in his church to find out what you're passionate about and what are you skilled at and then to respond to that. I I love music and I've responded to the wholehearted call. our worship team, the wholehearted worship team, when they got started, I I wanted to join the team. I just didn't make it, you know. I sent in auditions. I, I treated the team when they were doing the recording. I dropped off, you know, Eats, and I just was hoping they would respond by saying, Rick, join the team. But I realized I wasn't gifted in that area, so I laid down that desire I had. Anyway, Bill Harbles he said to his church, he said, what are you guys passionate about? What are you skilled in? Do something with it." So all the mechanics in the church got together. They said, guys, we're skilled here. We're passionate about this. Every Saturday, we are going to service all the single moms' cars and those who can't afford uh, this service and bless them. Did Bill Howell say, okay, right, let's formulate the ministry team, the auto mechanics ministry team for those who can't service their cars? No. It was a response. He said, fantastic, do this. And all these groups of people popped up in their church. It didn't become an official ministry team in their church. They impacted their community. They helped practically, yes, but the heart was extending the love of God to the people that they came into contact with. What are you passionate about? What, what do you love doing? Have you driven through the towns of our community and, and just seen there's a great need and that God is impressing in your heart that you could make a difference? That would require volunteering. Thirdly, love the Lord your God with all your might and with all your, all, all your strength. The word mart um, English teachers, if I get this wrong, please excuse me. That word mart is apparently an adverb which means very. So how do we love the Lord our God with our strength and with our might? What would it mean to love the Lord with all of our veriness? Love the Lord your God with all your veriness. The Greek translation is power, and the Aramaic translation is wealth. So these two words go hand in hand. Both of these actually are pointing in the same direction. For the strength of a person is not simply who he is, the power, but also what he has at his disposal, the wealth. The power and the wealth. Love the Lord your God with all, not just your heart, your heart and your soul, your heart and your soul and your might. Can you see how that scripture progresses? This means that the call to love God is not only with our physical muscle, but with everything we have available for honoring God. Which includes our family, our spouse, our children, our house. Our wardrobe, Rick, what do you mean your wardrobe? has an example. I listened to a testimony of a guy his last two weeks. He ministered to a man that was homeless on the side of, of the, the road. He ministered to him, prayed for him. He had his favorite jacket on, his favorite jumper. Guess what God told him to do? Give your jumper to this man. He took off his jumper. Put it over the man. As he was putting it over man, he felt God just saying that this is symbolic of the love of God that he is putting on that individual. We can't hold on to anything that we have in our lives our tools, our cell phones, and our time. Here's an interesting thought we will never advance God's kingdom in our spare time. We will never advance God's kingdom in our spare time. God requires our lives, every little bit of it. And it's not just moments like okay, I've got two hours on a Friday night so I can go minister here. It's no, we're in your workplace, in your responding to needs in your community. God wants your entire life. The Salvation Army was birthed in eighteen sixty five when William Booth, a London minister, gave up the comfort of his pulpit. And decided to take his message into the streets where it would reach the poor, the homeless, the hungry, and the destitute. The, so here we see, have, have any of you heard of William Booth? Quite an incredible man, pastor. He was so frustrated that the church was not using their hands to help the needy, that he went out into the streets. And that was the birth of the Salvation Army. I'm going to ask Brian if you can join me. On stage and I uh, so just thinking through all of this this week and, and just seeing hey God what you know what, what do you want from us you know or how can you draw us and I think that drawing is, is when we respond out of conviction and not obligation and I felt the Lord say to me that when we come to the cross it brings us to our knees where we surrender our lives and we we thank God for everything that He's done in our life, this is what the cross does. We have our enthusiastic drummer coming up. Come down. No, one song and then you can play. Fantastic. Uh, Noah is volunteering for the worship team. <laughs> awesome. There's something in his heart. Have you seen this little boy? You'll see he'll get upset now, but that's because he's passionate in his heart about playing the drums. Awesome. Okay, so here the cross brings us to the to our knees. Okay. Do we stay there? No, the cross should put us back on our feet and we go and we, we take what God has done in our lives to to the world. I'm going to end with an illustration. I had a much bigger vase last night, but the vase bit me. and I want to read a scripture. Sorry, before I read the scripture from Psalms, in verse 31, it says, the second of the second commandment is, you shall love the Lord your God, uh, sorry, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. When we love God, with everything that's within us, our response is to love other people. How do we do that? With actions. It's not always just with our words. It's with actions. In Psalm 139, verse 17, oh, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. So I think often we read through scripture and we read through it very quickly. But I want you to see something today. I asked Ryan Bean, why did the people do what they did in the early church? It's because they had experienced the love of God. They had experienced it, and they responded. So, I'm going to make a mess. Sorry, uh, setup team. I will help you clean it up. If I take a small handful of sand here, okay, there are a lot of particles here. Do you know that according to the scripture, God has a thought about you per grain of sand? Okay? Okay? per grain of sand I've got a whole jar here of sand I can't even if I had to sit and pull the grains out and start thinking of good things to say about another person I would most probably only get like there but this is how much God loves you Neil can can I can you volunteer for an illustration if I experience the love of God if I hold on to this for myself, then what? What am I doing, Neil? That's what God thinks of you. And if I encourage people and just say, "Hey, this is it. I can't hold on to this. I, I come back, and I'm, I'm looking for people." Uncle John, that's, that's a portion of what God thinks of you. You know. Michelle? Okay. David John? If we had time, I would do the whole haul. So what are these people going to do? Are they going to hold on to it? What would you guys do? Can you demonstrate it for me? Would you pass that on? You would. You would. And in worship today, I just felt that this is what God wants to do for us. He wants to get our hearts. He wants you to know how much he loves you. He wants you to know that the thoughts he has towards you are beyond what you could think. And it's easy for me to stand here and to say that God loves you. But if you don't open your heart to God, you won't experience that. I can remember the day when God touched my life back in 1994. I was a first year student at university. We were in the Baxter Theater in row H up top, C2. And God God just hit me in a way which completely changed my life. And God wants that for everyone. He wants to, to reach into your hearts. He doesn't wants you to do the work of the ministry just because the church needs you to do that. He wants you to respond because there's something within you that is so overwhelming that you can't keep it within you. you know. And He wants us to impact our country. Uh, last night when uh, Lucy sent a message about what she felt God was stirring uh, in her heart for today and response to praying for our country, I think often we get caught in the the thoughts of yes up top there, they're all our leaders, they're big problems. That's not where the change needs to come. The change needs to come here. And we as a church and as a community, we impact our nation. I can tell you of works that are happening in South Africa today which you won't believe, where the church is involved and stuff is is going on. There is incredible stuff that is happening. I'm going to ask if you can just bow your heads. I want to pray for us. I would have loved to have come and given sand to everyone who wants to experience the love of God. Not that it's about the sand, but I think this symbolic uh, demonstration of a destiny. If in your heart today you just you have a greater desire for God. You feel like your heart has grown cold you feel like you haven't responded to what God has uh, spoken to you about if at any time in today's in in this morning you feel God has just been drawing you and you want to respond to that won't you just lift your hand up and I would love to pray for you if you just sense a greater you you want you, you want to experience the love of God more